Cuckoo, cachoo, what it do? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, Comfortable in the Chaos, with your girl, Kalia. This week is episode two. I can't believe three weeks have gone by so fast. I want to stop and thank everybody who's been here from the jump for supporting me and not only showing up to listen, but sending me you guys' feedback. So many of you contacted me regarding last week's episode, telling me how you were inspired and how much all of you could relate to what I went through. And that meant so much to me. The reason I do this is to let somebody who's going through the same situation know they're not alone. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a light at the end of some of your tunnels. Today's episode is titled The Divine Drunk. I'm going to go into a brief description about my addiction and my recovery, how I overcame it, and things I went through on the way. But first, because last week's episode was so heavy, talking about trauma, I was real vulnerable, I wanted to start today off on a light note. I'm going to do the affirmation today at the beginning instead of the end. So I hope you all like to switch up. Today's affirmation is, there is a light within you. Do not be afraid to let it shine. So often in my journey to recovery, I dimmed my own light. Because of my lack of self-worth and self-love, I didn't believe I was worthy of the good things the world had to offer. If you listened to that last episode, you know some of the things I went through that made me feel this way. So it was easy for me to drown my own self out with alcohol, and sometimes I doubled and dabbled in drugs as well. Over time, I realized my worth and decided that that was no longer for me, that I wanted to shine as well. And so can you. No one is ordinary. So be extraordinary. Figure out within you what is trying to shine and focus on that because you deserve it. So let's get into my story. Both of my parents struggled with addiction. So it was destined for me or one of my siblings to be addicts as well, right? I guess I drew the short end of the stick. I'm the shortest of the six, so I guess that just makes sense. I've always been the little one. So, I was about 11 or 12 years old when I had my first drink. I remember my cousin had just passed away, and all the adults were drinking. My mom had these blue Hawaiian wine coolers that always smelled so good, so I asked her if I could have one. Shockingly, she said yes. She even gave me a little bit of vodka inside of it. I guess I wanted to drink because I felt like I was being grown. At the time, I didn't know what I was getting into, but that was the first time I got a taste, and I kind of liked it. I remember every time I was with her, if she was drinking, I would sneak sips or whatever she had or take her wine cooler bottles out the trash and fill them with Kool-Aid so I can get the taste of the liquor. And that's how it all began. It wasn't until about my senior year that my drinking really got out of hand. I started drinking at parties on the weekends, sneaking out, getting drunk with my friends, typical teenage stuff. But for me, it was more of a need than more of something I did for fun. I had to be drunk in any type of social event. If I was hanging out with a girl for the first time, going to a party, I guess that's what I felt my superpower was. If I had some liquor, I was a life of party and I was so fun. Everybody loved Kalia. At least so, I thought. It was all fun and games until it wasn't. 
I have been getting reckless with my drinking, partially to do with the fact that my mom passed away and I didn't know how to handle that. I continued to suppress my feelings with alcohol as well as continuing to push friends away. One night in particular, I remember, I was driving home from the club with my friend Bree, and we went the wrong way up the highway, and I popped my tire. I remember getting us back on the right path toward home and her calling her father to come get her. She didn't want to ride with me no more, which I understand. I put her life as well as my own and those other people at risk. But this still wasn't enough to shake me. I didn't know what it was going to take. This reckless behavior continued for years. I even wound myself up in jail for a DUI at one point. It wasn't until I got in my first serious relationship that I realized I needed liquor. I had had relationships before, but this is the first time I was living with someone and we was really trying to do the thing. I remember we were working together and living together, so it was hard for me to hide my drinking. I would sneak to my car on break and throw a couple nips back, and I would do the same thing when we was at home. I always kept liquor in the car, so if I needed to duck off and have a drink, I could. I remember one night we were fighting about my drinking, like always, because we really didn't fight about much else, and I punched a hole in our bedroom wall. I just remember the fear I put in her eyes. We were arguing, and she asked me to leave. In that moment, I felt like a monster, and all I could think about was how I needed a drink. That's embarrassing, and I'm ashamed to say that was what was on my mind in the moment, but that's how my addict brain operated at the time. Anything that inconvenienced me, I needed a drink. And in that moment, not only did I know I needed a drink, I know I needed to end things with my girl at the time. So the next day, I broke it off. I made up my mind that nothing was gonna get away of me and my liquor. If I was gonna do anything, I was gonna drink. And anybody who tried to stop me had to go, regardless of who you were. Friends, family, it didn't matter. As the years went on, I got tired of this lonely habit. I would go to work, get home, black out, rinse, lather, repeat. I didn't know what it would take, though, to help me have the desire to be sober. I had been surviving for so long, and I just wanted a reason to live. But I remember when that reason came. A lot of people have a rock bottom moment that drives them to get sober. For me, I call it my mountaintop moment. One day I went into work and my boss calls me into his office. I'll never forget it because it was two days before my birthday. He sat me down and he said, Kalia, we want to offer you a position as a supervisor. And I was shocked. I knew I had applied and interviewed for the position but I didn't think they were gonna choose me. So many others who were way more qualified applied, but they chose me. This job was at a Section 35 facility, which is a court-ordered rehab that's structured like a jail for men to get sober. I knew if I took the position, I had to get clean. How could I take this position and be a hypocrite, tell these guys to clean themselves up while I go home and get trashed every night? So I accepted the position 
under the circumstances, I had to go to rehab. It took me two months to muster up the courage to actually check myself into a program. When I finally did, that's when my life started to change. There's one individual that worked at the rehab that stood out. His name was Father D. He was a priest that visited on Sundays, but would also come throughout the week, teach classes, and take us for walks. I remember his story because when I went to rehab, I was 27, and he was 27 when he started his journey as well. He went, and he never turned back. He hadn't relapsed once since he got sober, and he had 30 years under his belt. That was so inspiring to me. I looked at it as a God wink, God telling me that, if he could do it at 27 and never look back, so can you. And I'm proud to say that I didn't look back. I celebrated two years of sobriety on September 1st, and it's my greatest accomplishment. It hurts me to talk about the pain I put the people I love through during this time, friends, family, partners, but I'm so proud of my growth. And if they could see me today, they would be proud as well. I want you to know that if you or somebody you know is struggling with addiction, you are not alone. And if you need to contact me directly, feel free. I want to support and stand by you guys the same way you do me. Recovery is a battle, and you don't have to fight alone. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to my story. Now we're going to shift gears, and I'm going to answer some questions from you guys, the audience. I was so excited to see you guys submitted dozens of questions. So today I'm gonna answer 10 instead of our usual two or three. Question number one is, how difficult was it dealing with raw emotions that you normally use alcohol to deal with? And this was by far the hardest part of my journey. So if I had to rate it on a scale of one to 10, it was a 10. But I soon after rehab got a therapist as well as enrolled in the anger management program to learn how to properly deal with my feelings and not only deal with them, but observe them, learn how not to attach myself to negative feelings, but view them as something separate from myself and figure out why I'm feeling them and how to grow from it. Therapy and anger management literally saved my life. Without it, I probably would have relapsed dozens of times because I've dealt with some difficult things in the past two years, like losing my job, losing my grandmother, and those are situations that would have caused me to pick up the bottle. So through therapy, through anger management, I've learned how to cope with things like that. Question number two, when did you realize sobriety was really working for you? Like, when did you see you were changing for the better? For me, it was about the one year mark. I had decided I wanted to get baptized to represent the new birth, the new life, the new beginning that this sober journey has given me. I told myself three, six, eight months wasn't enough. I had to be sober for a year, so I knew I was taking myself seriously. So at that one year mark, I saw the fruits of my labor starting to bloom, if that makes sense. I never felt so much peace and joy, and I didn't have it all, but my heart was feeling full and my mind was clear. And for me, at the time, that meant everything. Question number three, did I have withdrawals? Yes, I struggle with withdrawals. Most people do within the first week. Normally, it lasts for up to 72 hours. I recommend anybody who's deciding to get sober, don't do it cold turkey unless you are under medical supervision, 
Withdrawals could be super dangerous if not treated properly. I was lucky enough to be in a facility that had proper medical care, so they were able to medicate me appropriately to minimize those symptoms. That was a good question. The next question is, did your fitness journey start immediately when you got sober? And if not, how long after? For me, it was immediately. I started working out really in rehab. I had gained so much weight when I was drinking. My whole face was swelled up. I was 247 pounds then, and I'm 179 now. So I've lost, I don't know, what's that, almost 70 pounds in the past two years. And it feels amazing. I don't even recognize myself when I look at pictures. And for this episode, the picture I use is my mugshot. So you guys tell me if you see the difference. (laughs) The next question is, what was your trigger that caused you to start drinking? I don't think I had a particular trigger that caused me to drink. But I will say that suppressing my feelings for so long definitely played a part of it. Because once I started drinking as a product of two addict parents, alcoholism was already in me and I had that addict gene. So it was easy for me to lock on to that as a medicine. So when things started to get rough, like my mother passing, I lost a friend in high school. That's when it really started to pick up because I didn't know how to cope with my emotions. So I wouldn't say any one particular thing. I would just say a buildup of trauma over the years. The next question is, is there anything I miss about the old me? The only thing I miss about the old Kalia is her confidence. I now have crippling anxiety when it comes to doing anything social. I even get extremely nervous to record these episodes because I know people are listening. The old Kalia had no fear when it came to other people's opinions. You could put me on a stage. You could put me on a room. I didn't care what anybody said or anybody thought. And that's because I had alcohol to give me that confidence and that courage. It's something I'm working on, and I hope that I'll get better at over time with my working with my therapist. Um, but that was a good question. Thank you for asking. The next question is, do you isolate to avoid being around alcohol, or are you cool being around it now? I don't mind people drinking around me. For the first six months, it was an issue. I didn't want to see a bottle of alcohol. But now that I just hit two years... I'm used to it. I don't think that other people should have to change their lives because I have a disease that doesn't allow me to just have one drink. They're not sick. I am. So unless it's excess or someone's being sloppy drunk, it doesn't bother me. What is your go-to coping skill you learn through recovery is the next question. I learned that being open to talking to people is a godsend. Um... Being vulnerable doesn't make you weak, and it makes you strong. So for me, my number one coping skill is having outlets, my sponsor, people I can call when I'm in trouble. The next question is, when was your go-to? What was your go-to drink? I think this question is funny. Um, y'all are gonna think I'm crazy, but I used to drink a fifth of Hennessy, a twelve pack of Nips, of the Smirnoff Sour, blueberry lemonade, preferably and a 6 or 12 pack of Corona, depending on my mood. And that would be on a nightly basis. At the packy, or as y'all say, the liquor store, was still open when I finished. I would go back and get a pint of Henny or some beers just to get me through the rest of the night. If I wasn't tired, I needed more, which was 
horrific. I was drinking and driving to the packy to get more liquor, to go home and get more drunk and black out. But yeah, Henny, them nips, and some Coronas was all I needed. The last question is, what would you tell somebody who is trying to begin their journey? I would say that if you have the thought to, act on it. But remember that you can't do this thing for nobody else. It has to be for you. If you try to do it for a person, anytime that person shows you any doubt, you're going to have an excuse to drink. Or if that person leaves, you're going to have an excuse to drink. If you do it for anything besides yourself, you do it for your kids, you do it for anything besides you, you're not going to stick to it. So make sure you're ready. Dig deep down within and surround yourself with people who love you because that makes all the difference. That's it for the questions, though, guys. And I just want to say again, thank you for everybody for tuning in this week. The Divine Drunk, episode two. We already on week three. Week four is going to get even better. And I'm hoping by week six, we start having some guests on the show. Thank you guys for tuning in. And I want to add one more little positive quote. Every mountain top is the bottom of another. Never stop climbing. Your journey, whether it be your spiritual journey, whether it be your journey to recovery, every time you reach a milestone, there's going to be another journey behind that, another mountain for you to climb. Just never give up. I promise you're on the right path and you're going to succeed as long as you keep going. I hope that everybody enjoyed this episode. If you did, like, subscribe, share with a friend. My social media information will be in the description. Follow me and inbox me if you need help getting some resources to get sober. Or even if you just want to talk, if you're thinking about getting sober and need somebody to lean on, I want to support you guys the same way you support me, like I said before. So feel free to contact me. I love connecting with you guys on a personal level. I love getting you guys' feedback. It, it's the reason why I do this, to know that I'm reaching people and helping others. It means the world to me. I'm going to get out of here. I hope you guys have a blessed week. And until next time, stay beautiful. Peace.